Well, the Tigers had an off day on Monday, so we get to have some big picture conversations today. We're going to start off with a little bit of a prospect update. Then we will talk about the players with the most to lose and gain throughout the remainder of the season. And then we'll end with even talking, you know, getting our toes in the water a little bit about some December and offseason conversations all today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Tuesday, August 15th, 2023. Thank you so much for making Locked On Tigers your first listen. Every single day, we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team, every day. Uh, be sure to check out the Tigers home broadcast on the SiriusXM app. Just go to the SiriusXM app, search Detroit Tigers. And next thing you know, anytime, anywhere, you are listening to the Tigers home radio broadcast. It's an awesome feature and an awesome app that I highly recommend. Um, okay, so the Tigers had an off day on Monday, and with that... Um, we are going to spend a lot of the show talking about I've really been driving this point home a lot over the last like week or two. Uh, and just that like these last six weeks are not just meaningless baseball. They might not mean a whole lot as far as how many games we win or lose, but there are still so many things to play for, especially when you break it down into individual players. A lot of these dudes have a lot on the line just in these last six weeks of, of a third place team in their own division. Right. And so I, I really just kind of want to lay it all out there. Just go through. I, I mean, we might not get to every single person on the 40 man roster. We'll see what we have time for. Um, but I, I really want to break down really as many people as possible and talk about what, you know, is, is Riley green playing for the same thing as Spencer Torkelson or, you know what I mean? Like everyone has uh, somewhat of a, a different feel to them throughout these last six weeks and are playing for not something different. I guess they're all playing to win, but um, they're, they're the, the mindset of the viewer is going to be different for a lot of these guys. And I want to break down kind of where I stand on everybody. All right, but we're going to start off with a little bit of a prospect update. Um, really, it's only going to be three players. We're going to update you on Colt Keith. We're going to update you on Justin Henry Malloy, and we're going to update you on Parker Meadows. So Colt Keith, was crushing it in double A, got called up to triple A. In July, he actually struggled for like the first time like in forever. Uh, he had a 607 OPS in the month of July, a 301 slug, a 219 average. He still walked a lot, um, but he wasn't hitting for average and he was hitting for pretty much no power. He only had four extra base hits the entire month of July. Now in August, he's back up to hitting 293 and has a 951 OPS. So he's fine. He just hit a home run off the roof of the Fricker building in, in Toledo. Uh, he's he's a monster. And uh, even if he doesn't make the majors this season, he's absolutely going to get some playing time in the old English D next year. And that's super exciting. So we'll start. We'll kind of talk about him a little bit later as well. All three of these guys. And where they kind of fall in the last six weeks of the season, in my eyes, a little bit later. Uh, Justin Henry Malloy had a OPS over 1,000 in the month of July. 13 walks to 17 strikeouts in the month of July as well. Uh, very, very solid. Now, August, 
only 12 games, right? We're only, we're only what, two weeks into August. He has a 688 OPS and an average under 200. Um, but he is walking at an unbelievable clip. Like, even more unbelievable than we're used to from him. We're always used to an unbelievably high clip from him. But, like, he already has 14 walks in 12 games in August. So, he's not hitting. But, like, it, he, he has almost a 400 on base percentage. So, like, it, it's hard to really hit when you're just walking pretty much every time you step to the plate. So, I'm sure we'd like to see him hit a little bit more, obviously. He's had kind of a roller coaster with a lot of peaks and valleys this season. But, um, I mean... June 826 OPS, July OPS over 1,000, had nine home runs in that two-month stretch. That's a really solid number. Uh, I fully expect him to get some playing time in Detroit next season as well. This year, again, we'll talk about that a little bit later. And then last but certainly not least, Parker Meadows, who has an 846 OPS with a 244 average in August and had a 905 OPS in July and an 896 OPS in June. Um, he, he's been crushing the ball. And the biggest thing for me with Parker Meadows is that his OPS on the season against lefties is now higher than his OPS against righties. Like that for me, like that's really the batting average is only two points different. And, and the OPS is literally better against lefties. That was like the biggest thing that he needed to work on. Um, I, 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 I don't understand why. Well, I do. We'll talk about it. Let's just talk about it right now. I think that uh, with these last six weeks, we're talking about players who have the most to lose and the most to gain. Obviously, the prospects don't really have a ton to lose or gain in terms of like their long-term outlook. I guess they could play themselves into a more of a conversation of uh, like, oh, like I think this dude, maybe I was kind of iffy on him. Now I'm a little bit more confident in him. But like it's it's six weeks at the end of the season. I don't think anyone's opinion of any of these guys is going to change super dramatically at least just off of what they do in the last month of the season. Uh, there's still a, a, like a week or two weeks until the Tigers can call these guys up and have them maintain their rookie status next year. Um, and I, uh, a few beat writers have pointed that out already. And I, <clears throat> excuse me, I fully believe that that is just what they're waiting for at this point. The other thing to keep an eye on with Colt Keith and Justin Henry Malloy is they're not on the 40 man. So if they were to get called up, they would have to make room on the 40. Now, I don't think that's too big of a hurdle. Uh, there are plenty of players on this 40-man roster, as we will talk about, that I have no issue parting ways with and should not be like difficult conversations to part ways with. Um, but that is something if they want to try to hold on to as many of these guys as possible for whatever reason. Uh, Parker Meadows is the only one that's on the 40-man. So I fully expect Parker Meadows to get playing time in Detroit after that deadline has passed in a week or two and, and finish the season with the Tigers, Colt Keith, I don't. Justin Henry Malloy is kind of a toss-up for me. So that's where I stand. Let's talk about the players that are currently on the 40-man roster, okay? the t- Well, on the Major League roster, I guess, is what I was trying to say there. Um, but really, I mean, we'll talk about some players that are on the 40-man that aren't necessarily on the Tigers as well, I, I kind of have broke this down in my brain between like most players with the most to lose the remainder of the season and the players with the most to gain the remainder of the season. Now, it's important to note that that's a very arbitrary like way of thought. That's how my brain works. But in your brain, if you're like, well, to me, like that means that this player has more to gain and less to lose or whatever. You're like, sure, I, I'm, you know, we're splitting hairs. This is just how my my brain organized it. Um, and really, this is, this is just organizing and separating a big group 
that is all to me objectively the players that are playing for the most, whether it is to quote unquote lose or gain the remainder of the season. Okay, so really at the end of the day, that's just what we're covering. But uh, and I'll kind of go through my thought process as well. Let's start with Badu just because I want to get it over with. And the only reason I say that is because I've already made this point a bunch over the last couple of weeks. And I don't just want to talk about Akil Badu for 30 minutes. Um, I think that he's in the category of most to lose because I think if he struggles the next few weeks, he's getting sent down for Parker Meadows. And I think if he does really well, then he can at least make that conversation a little bit more difficult. Rosters expand two roster spots in September. If Badu does really, really well, he could at least make the conversation, oh, well, maybe we just wait until September 1st, then Parker Meadows can come up and we can still have Akil Badu on the team as well. But that this organization as a whole has a lot of left-handed hitting outfielders. And like long-term, I just am not really sure that it's possible for all of them to be long-term pieces. And again, Akil Badu went through a two-month stretch where he was hitting like 100. So he's been better the last week. That's awesome. Akil Badu rocks. Um, and and his ability to, to work counts and take pitches, I think, provides value. I, I, I believe in the ceiling of Akil Badu, but the likelihood of him hitting that is what's up for debate. And I, I think if, if he kind of slides into that deadline where Meadows can come up and maintain his rookie status, I think he's going to be on the outside looking in. So as far as like that's in my head, that's a most to lose candidate, right? Even though he would be gaining a roster spot and probably a little bit more of a difficult conversation this December than if he struggled. Okay, let's talk about some other players that I think are on the biggest to most to lose, I guess, side of things. Then we'll talk about players who I think have the most to gain. But first, I got to tell you all about our friends over at Ibotta. Uh, finally, if you are finally rather taking that summer vacation that you've been planning, but you're dreading buying all the necessities before you take off, it's time to stop spending your hard earned money without getting anything in return. It's time for Ibotta. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items like produce, personal care, pantry goods. So you can make sure that you're beating inflation, no matter what you're purchasing, either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and get your cash back. It's truly that easy. The average Ibotta customer or user earns up to around $120 a year. That's a lot of money. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip, or you can use that cash back to buy that flight you've been eyeing, that game you've been dying to go to, that fancy dinner you've been craving. It's a lot of money that adds up fast. You can earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers. When you start with Ibotta, including Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for trying Ibotta and using code MLB when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use code MLB. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use code MLB. All right, everybody, welcome back here. Segment two of Locked on Tigers. I appreciate you all for tuning in, making us your first listen every single day. Uh, Shout out to the everydayers that do tune in every day. We'll be back tomorrow recapping the game one against the two-game set against the Minnesota Twins. Um, Let's talk about some more players who I think are are really playing for some things to lose. They're playing uh, to – I don't want to say keep their head above water because I I think that there is um, – that's that's not the accurate analogy like the, these guys 
still some of these guys like will be around next season, even if they are in this like playing to lose category. So it's not just like to keep their jobs or anything that dramatically necessarily. Um, but I think another person on this list is Alex Lang. I think Alex Lang is playing for a ton to lose. Like if, if he goes out there and really is just as struggles as much as he has the last month and especially the last two weeks throughout the last month and a half of the season, I, I think that like some people are going to have legit conversations about like, is this dude even going to be in this bullpen two years from now? Nonetheless, like, is he going to be a long-term fixture at the back end of the bullpen? And obviously only time will tell the answers to all of these questions truly. Um, but with just how he's pitched lately, I, I think if he turns it around, and this is the reason why he's not in the like biggest to gain category, if he turns it around, that's great. But I don't think anyone's still like, even if he looks like he did in May again, the remainder of the year, I don't think anybody's like, oh yeah, that's the closer of the future again. No questions asked. This dude has comfortably a higher walk per nine than Gregory Soto did. And he got chased out of town. So I think that that's another guy who has a lot to lose the last month and a half of the season. I think Matt Manning in, in a weird conversation is definitely in both. If you're talking about biggest variance, of what they could gain and or lose the remainder of the year. Matt Manning maybe has the most. Um, you're talking about someone who, if he has a really, really good last like six starts at, at this season, uh, that people will go, okay, chalk him up in the rotation next year. No questions asked. I, I you know, still going to take his lumps, still not where we like, still certainly hasn't reached his ceiling. But like has shown enough over these last six weeks where like, okay, I'm a little bit more calm now about him and and he can be in the rotation next year. And the bottom end of that spectrum is like trade this dude. Like legitimately. And we'll talk about that a little bit more when we get to the winter decisions here. But like straight up, I, I think that there is a legitimate, maybe even winning conversation about like if you can trade Matt Manning for a bat let's talk Turkey. And so I, I think that there's a lot of variance based on his performance uh, that, that again, that's still like five, six, seven starts from here on out. So still plenty to prove for him as well, obviously. And then I put Spencer Turnbull, uh, Spencer Turnbull is believed to be close to back to the major league level from his, uh, from his rehab assignment. Um, probably still a few more rehab starts. Maybe we'll only pitch like the last month of the season, but uh, I mean, if he struggles, I think everybody's pretty much going to be out on him. I think that the conversation around Turnbull is going to be pretty much done. And it's just going to be not a long-term piece. Now, plenty of people are already there. Like, this, he's just not going to be in this rotation long-term. Um, but I think if he turns around and has a really solid last five or six starts, if he gets that many, uh, he could at least open the door for like, okay, like, let's bring him back next year. Still under team control. You know what I mean? I, I think it kind of softens the, or it, it increases people's patience maybe a little bit if he were to do really well. But we have not seen anything from him this year that would lead us to believe that he will do really well. So that's important to note too. I'm trying to give you like ceilings and floors, not necessarily like this is definitely going to happen. Um, talking about the most to gain, Eduardo Rodriguez, for like his own reasons, certainly has like the maybe the most to gain out of anybody. Uh, if you're talking about like financial gain, right? If Erod pitches lights out the last month and a half of the season, he's going to get a bag. He's going to get a lot of money this winter. 
and uh, maybe at the Tigers' expense. Expense probably isn't the right way to put that. Maybe at the Tigers' hands, uh, or maybe not. But, I mean, he's certainly pitching for something bigger than uh, than than maybe anybody. Again, like you're talking about a guy who, if he pitches really well, could be adding millions of dollars to his contract that he's slated to get this December. So certainly somebody, not really from a Tigers perspective, but certainly from a, from an Erod perspective, uh, Brendan White, I think. I, I know that I'm kind of like the Brendan White slappy. I'm a huge fan of his. Uh, but I, I do think that if he kind of buckled down and, and had a much better last month and a half of the season, that he could, some people would go into next year. A lot of people would go into next year thinking, okay, like this guy can be kind of a, uh, not a high leverage like closer or anything, but one of the eight relievers, seven relievers we carry on opening day next year. So certainly something to keep an eye out for there. Um, Will Vest, most to gain, I think. And like, and the only reason for that is just kind of my own interpretation of Will Vest. If you're a longtime listener to the show, I mean, you remember like back in March, I was like, I don't think Will Vest is even guaranteed to make this team on opening day. And he got sent down early in the season, right? Like he wasn't. Then he had an injury thing, and then he came back, and he was solid. He, he was really good. He proved me wrong for sure, without a doubt. Um, but, like, as far as, like, long-term, like, Will Vest is definitely a long-term piece in this pen. I think he's a guy that, that you know, again, after missing time, has to come back and really prove that. So I, I think that he's something that under the radar, somebody who, who could have a lot to gain. And then Spencer Torkelson is fairly obvious to me. Not in the most-to-lose category, because I think unless he's just, like, the worst hitter ever – uh, he's going to be the starting first baseman on this baseball team next year, whether you like it or not. Uh, but as far as most to gain, I think if he could just have sustained, not super like, you know, peaks and valleys, super inconsistent is the word. Uh, if he just didn't have a really inconsistent last couple of months of the season, I think that he he could <laughs> inject a lot of optimism into this fan base. And I know that that's a broken record. And, and we've been saying that about him since last season. So, like, this is not a new take, but it's still a true take. Uh, and then my last one is Reese Olsen, a guy who, if he does really well, I think could uh, could maybe not play his way onto, like, oh, he's going to be in the starting rotation next year on opening day, uh, but certainly could play himself into, like, oh, I want this guy out of the pen or I want this guy spot starting, you know, getting uh, maybe a, a couple of starts a month when somebody needs an extra day's rest. I, I think that he could play – his way into a into a, a different outlook with uh, upon within that's the word the fan base the remainder of the season so I think Reese Olsen's in there as well um, and, and then so that's really it for the the players that I think have uh, the 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 that are playing for the most we'll call it these last six weeks of the season and and like the fairly you know like Riley Green's not on here because Riley Green's the franchise and like it, it doesn't matter if Riley Green really struggles that sucks but like. I, I think he's still going to be the franchise. You know what I mean? Like, I, I I think, and there's some dudes who are like, their bet has already been made. Like, if Eric Haas has a has an 850 OPS the last six weeks of the season, are you changing your opinion of whether you think Eric Haas is going to be on this baseball team next year or not? Probably not. So, like, that's kind of just where I'm at. I think there's some guys who are just, you know, like, we know what your role is going to be going forward. We're pretty confident in that. And then we're also pretty confident on the flip side of dudes who are probably not going to be here next year. And that transitions us into the players that I am confident are here to stay and already have roles carved out for them next year. 
And it's not a very long list, which is why this winter is going to get crazy and we'll transition from that into some of the decisions that the Tigers are going to have this winter. We will do that right after I tell you all about our friends over at FanDuel. Football season is about to kick off and FanDuel is giving you a chance to win all season long because right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. Just pick any team to win the Super Bowl and you'll get bonus bets for every victory. You can use your bonus bets on spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to start earning bonus bets with America's number one sports book. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Yeah, I don't know why I said that as if that wasn't the end of the read. That is the end of the read. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn today. All right, everybody, welcome back. Third and final segment here at Locked On Tigers. I appreciate you all for tuning in. Uh, be sure to check out the Tigers home broadcast on the SiriusXM app. Just search Detroit Tigers, and you can be listening to the Tigers home radio broadcast anytime, anywhere. Okay, let's talk about the only players on the 40-man. 40-man. Not even just like the Major League roster. The, the, the entire 40-man that I think have guaranteed legitimate playing time roles on next year's team. This is 40 people. And I think my list is like 10 long. Okay. Matt Veerling, Riley Green, Kerry Carpenter, Spencer Torkelson, Javi, Jake Rogers, Jason Foley, Alex Lang, Tyler Holton, Tarek Skubal, Casey Mize, technically not on the 40, but he's on the IR, but like, I'm going to throw him on there. And then my last one is Matt Manning, and that one even I'm a little shaky on. That's like, what, 10, 11, 10 or 11 names on a 40-man roster. And like, we had talked, if you were a listener last offseason, we talked at the end of the year how like they, there was going to be a lot of turnover, and they were going to ax, you know, like maybe half of the, that 40-man roster from the end of last season to like December of last year. And and they did that. They, they almost did have an entire new, you know, bottom 20 on the 40 man roster. I don't know if it's going to be that dramatic necessarily, but it's going to be somewhat dramatic. I, uh, and this, these are locks. These are locks and, and not even just locks of like, Oh, they're, they're going to be here. People that I am confident are going to get legitimate playing time one way or another at the major league level next year. Parker Meadows, we haven't seen him against Major League hitting yet. I can't say that for sure. The other two prospects aren't on the 40-man. They're not included in this conversation. And like, like Zach Short finds his way on the roster every year. I, I, I'm, I'm not confident that Zach Short is going to get legitimate playing time at the Major League level next year. Uh, Zach McKinstry had one really good month. Certainly, I'm not confident that he's going to be here getting legitimate playing time next year. Um, Eric Haas, like we've already talked about, like that these are the only guys that, that genuinely I look at and I go, yeah, like they're going to get like solid innings, solid at bats, whether it's, you know, in, in a utility role an everyday starter role, whatever it is, they're going to be here and, and, and get the opportunity to have a prominent role on the major league roster. Again, that's just over 10 guys. So that transitions us into the final conversation here I want to have revolving around this conversation, I guess. That was worded terribly. Is some of the decisions you have to make over the winter. Like, again, like Zach McKinstry and Zach Short. OK, 
Okay. I, I don't think anyone is really like going to war necessarily for either of those guys to like make it through the winter and be on this team when we go into camp next spring. But like Zach Short continues to just find his way onto the 40 every year because he draws walks. He has positional versatility. He, I mean, he's a very clutch hitter this year. His average with runners in scoring position looks like a, a prime Miguel Cabrera line. But, like, he also spent majority of the season with an OPS under 600. Like, it's certainly not a guarantee, but someone that could kind of find his way onto the roster. Zach McKinstry, again, one really good month. Not a whole lot of great besides that. Um, Eduardo Rodriguez is obviously the biggest, like, decision, I guess you'd say, you have to make. Um, and, and then you know, when you start getting to like positional needs, which like we will go into this way more in depth as we get like actually to and closer to the offseason and, and in the offseason. Um, but like you need starting pitching. Because like Mize is going to come back. Mize has when he comes back next year is not going to have pitched in like a what almost like two years. <laughs> it's going to be a long time since Casey Mize threw a baseball at, at, in a in a major league baseball game that is. So, like, I don't think you can just be like, oh, yeah, he'll give us 180-plus innings. You're going to have to get some reinforcements there. And right now, your rotation is Eduardo, Scubel, Manning, and then, like, Olsen, Fiedo. Fiedo is certainly – you're not going into opening day with Alex Fiedo in your starting rotation. That's just not happening. Reese Olsen, I don't think you are either. Matt Manning, we talked about a little bit earlier. I think there's a legitimate conversation around, like, what to do with Matt Manning long-term. And, like, I know everybody always freaks out when you say it, but, like, there is 100% a reality in which Scooble is put on the block. And not because he does, he's done anything wrong, but just from the sheer fact of you need an injection of young bats in this organization. And this free agent class stinks. It's not that good. Okay? Now, there's plenty of players that are still an upgrade over what you have because your offense is worse. Okay? But as far as like getting young, controllable players, if you're not trading anybody, you're not getting any. And one of your most valuable assets is that's not a young, controllable bat is Tarek Skubal. Maybe your most valuable. So like, I'm not advocating for that. We'll have that conversation a lot more in depth once we get into the winter. I'm not saying we, like we need to do it and we can't succeed with Tarek Skubal on the roster. We definitely can. But, like, it's a lot more of a conversation than a lot of people want to admit. And so you need to address starting pitching this winter. You're going to lose. Uh, I mean, like, Andy Abanez is not the second baseman of the future. Nick Maton certainly has not proven that he's the second baseman of the future. It might be Colt Keith. But, like, then you have a hole at third base. Okay, maybe that's Justin Henry Malloy. He hasn't been great defensively at third, but like you can, let's just be super optimistic right now. Do you, how many times in the history of baseball have you seen three prospects all get called up at once and all of them reach their ceiling? It's extremely few and far between. Okay, and I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer. I'm just trying to tell you how quickly this farm system is going to thin out when those three players make the majors. So I I think that you need to address third base. You can't just go in and just be like, oh yeah, you know, it'll be just a Henry Malloy or Colt Keith. 
You need to address second base. You probably need to address outfield. Maybe get someone who's not a lefty for the love of everything, please. Okay. So that that's just my my point with oh, another one of my points I should say with some of these decisions like you you it is it is very very optimistic like unrealistically optimistic I would say on August 14th 2000 to August 15th I guess we're listening to this 2023 to say that in 2024 Parker Meadows and Colt Keith and Justin Henry Malloy are all going to be everyday starters and all be good. The odds of that happening are absurdly small. Not that they all can't be solid major leaguers at some point, but for all of them to be solid everydayers as rookies in their first major league stint, incredibly unlikely. So you have a lot that you still need to bring in. This 40-man roster is still so, so thin. You can't just start every kid, every prospect, and just call it a day. And when looking at the other, you know, more turnover that could happen, let's talk about the, the players that are in on a minor league team that are on the 40-man roster. Okay, and you tell me how many of these players you think are going to be here long-term. You have Blair Calvo, Garrett Hill, Joey Wentz, Trey Winginter, Donnie Sands, Ryan Kreidler, Eddie's Leonard, Andre Lipsius, Tyler Nevin, Wenseal Perez, Parker Meadows. There is a legitimate argument that like two of those guys are long for this roster over the next five years. Now, there's also an argument that it's more. I'm not saying that that like my opinion is that like all these guys stink. But like Calvo, I don't think is a long-term piece. Garrett Hill, I don't think is a long-term piece. Joey Wentz needs to prove it. Uh, Trey Wigginser, I don't think is a long-term piece. Donnie Sands is not a long-term piece. Ryan Kreidler, I still have hope and, and still have some expectations for Ryan Kreidler. He needs to prove that he can hit the major league level. He's dealt with a lot of injury stuff as well. Eddie's Leonard, brand new to the organization. We'll see. Uh, Andre Lipsius took a pretty big step back this season. I, I was a one of the biggest Andre Lipsius fans on the planet last year. He has not been the same this season. Tyler Nevin, definitely not long for the roster. Um, Wencio Perez has had some solid stretches. Still a question mark on whether he's like a long-term, like going to be a starter at the major league level type of piece. And then Parker Meadows, we've already talked about. So the point of this entire episode was to A, talk about what the major league players still are playing for throughout the remainder of the season. And then that easily transitioned into what is the long-term outlook of this team? Who are we watching right now that's going to be here in even a year from now, nonetheless, two, three, four, five years from now? And I'm buckling everybody up for not only an exciting last month and a half of the season with a, hopefully a lot of fresh faces and a lot of players that are getting new opportunities, but also an offseason in which I think for the second offseason in a row, a lot of players 
are going to be coming and leaving this organization. My last point before I send you on your way. Oh, I got a question in the comments yesterday about uh, Isan Diaz and why that decision was made and why he was the choice when Javi went on the bereavement list. Um, a couple of people mentioned it in the comment section as well. Um, I will say that it is, it's, you know, three to seven days at most. So it's not uh, like an earth shattering, you know, decision to pick him. Uh, I would have gone with Ryan Kreidler. I know he's had some injury problems. He, he's been back and then hurt and then back and whatnot. I would have gone with Kreidler. Uh, that would have been my decision. Um, but at the end of the day, again, three to seven days at like absolute most. And it sounds like it's going to be closer to three to four. Um, so that it's it's not going to be the, the biggest decision in the world. But I do agree with the sentiment that we are adding a lot of players that like have proven they don't hit very well at the major league level and getting them legitimate in getting them legitimate playing time. So um, the last point I want to make before I send you on your way is just that Within this, one name that was not mentioned throughout this entire episode was Miguel Cabrera. Um, he obviously has nothing to play for in terms of uh, like standing on the roster. Miguel Cabrera will not be on the roster next year, no matter if he uh, OPS is 2,000 or 200 the remainder of the season. And I just want to remind everybody that Miguel Cabrera has six weeks left as a member of the Detroit Tigers. And I know I've already said it a few times, um, but... He is one of the greatest players to ever put on an old English D. So enjoy it. Don't forget that. We're going to have some highs. We're going to have some lows from here on out. We're going to get angry after some losses. They're going to make some stupid mistakes. But just remember, when when the big fella's on the TV, it's one of the last times we'll see him on the TV playing games. So I hope that doesn't get lost in the shuffle ever. Uh, and uh, I hope that we can give him his his proper farewell uh, the last month and a half here of the season. Twins preview, just a, uh, a quick little two-game set for the Detroit Tigers against the Minnesota Twins. The pitching matchups for those two games will be Alex Fajardo and Bailey Ober in game one, and then Kenta Maeda and Reese Olsen in game two, and then the Tigers will turn around and go to Cleveland. This weekend. So um, look, I mean, you just took three of four from Minnesota. If uh, if you want to have some fun and get some conversation started, go take two because why not? But uh, I I would gladly take a split. I'd, I'd be pretty content with that. So I think that's all I got. Appreciate you all for tuning in, making us your first listen every day. Shout out to the everydayers that do tune in every day. Shout out to SiriusXM where you can type in Detroit Tigers and listen to the home broadcast wherever you are. And we'll be back tomorrow recapping game one against the Minnesota Twins. Peace and love going to Therapy's Dope. I'll catch you all then, baby. Go Tigers.